Welcome to the ETC Coaches Corner, an inside look into the Midlands' best private training facility, where we'll be discussing all things from nutrition to training and everything in between. In today's episode, we're looking at all things, most things, fat loss. In today's episode, expect to learn what type of diet is best for fat loss, how to make fat loss as easy as possible, and the main factors that impact weight loss and loads more, including, most importantly, what Jack had for breakfast. Hi, Jack. So I knew you were going to ask me this question before we started this podcast. I was pondering this in the shower earlier. Unlike you to ponder about things, isn't it? And, <laughs> and I thought to myself that we should just pre-record me saying what I'm about to say and then we can just chop it and put it into every podcast because this morning for my breakfast I had a bagel thin with marmalade I'm offended and then after I finished the gym I had some oats with some protein and some banana which is exactly the same as what I had on the last two podcasts that we did yeah but prior to that you've also had cake and biscoff and cake and chocolate that is, that is true. But what we could do is we could like chop the, the oats part and the bagel part and then I can just like add on the cake, which I haven't actually had today. No cake today. Oh, so no. far, so far. Only because there isn't any cake in the gym. That is also true. And there'll be cake in the gym on Saturday. That is also true. You're only here on Saturday, though, are you? That so, is also true. I'm going to have all the cake. Well, I've, I've been excited about my breakfast. I know you didn't ask me, but... Last night, I bought the Greek Greek yogurt with honey. They get infused honey. Honestly, it is so... I know you don't buy it because it's so high in calories, but it is absolutely delectable. So an overnight hours with a Greek yogurt honey, the nice, like, Yeo Valley Greek... Honestly, it was, it was so good. I can't even talk about how good it was. I was like, I just could eat the whole tub straight away. But it was... Yeah, it was... It was great. The super... Just oats, Greek yogurt and honey grapes and some nuts and it was absolutely banging it does sound great yeah it sound anyway so we're going to talk about fat loss today this we're, we're, we're promised that we're going to try and make this a, a short one because there is so much that we can talk about fat loss and it's such an ambiguous term and i think the reason why we wanted to talk about it is because we continue to have very similar conversations with loads of our members about the best diet what's the best option and a lot of the time, people will have like a personal experience, like an anecdote. Well, I've done this and this worked for me, therefore you should do this thing. And why we think that may not be the best idea, because it really is about discovering what works for that person. So we're going to strip it right back. Like when we're looking at fat loss, Jack, like fundamentally, what, what are we trying to do? What does that mean? And what principles need to be in place for us to lose fat? So yeah, I think it, I think we need to start with the the main point that the best diet is the one that you can actually stick to. And as you kind of alluded to there, like there's so many diets out there, and it's like if there's so many diets out there that all claim to be the best and all claim to be the thing that you need to do to lose fat, how can there be so many? that in a lot of times are like polar opposite. Like you look at all the different types of diets, like vegan, keto, slimming world, weight watchers, but then you've got low carb, high carb, and it's like everything in between. 
So if all of these things are proclaiming to be the best thing and the thing that you have to do to lose fat, how can all these different things coexist and people get results doing these different things? It's because that you have to look beyond the branding. You have to look beyond the name and what it's proclaiming and look at the, the underlying principles. Like what do all of these different diets have in common? We always look at what's different, but what do they actually have in common? Like low carb and low fat, like totally different ways of eating but if they can both help you lose fat well what is that what are the underlying principles that are allowing both of those things to help different people get results or get the same result and that is like looking at it from the perspective of all of these different diets encourage you to eat less food they either force you to cut out certain food groups e.g low carb low fat if you're on a low-carb diet, you're largely cutting out foods that are higher in carbohydrates, your pastas, your rices, your potatoes, and whatnot. If you're on a low-fat diet, you're cutting out foods high in fat. So you're cutting out your oils, your nuts, your higher-fat protein sources like your oily fish and whatever. But both of these things cause you to lose fat because when you cut out these different food groups, you are going to be consuming, typically, less total food because you have less options of what to eat and if you are consuming less food on average you will be consuming less calories on average per day and that's the thing that all of these different diets will have in common and that is the most important factor when we talk about losing fat and creating this calorie deficit so ultimately when we when we're looking at you know the best diet and you, you explain lots of different types of diet such as low fat low carb although you didn't mention keto vegan diet ah yes the vegan keto fasting i believe it's he's got is he's gonna eat drink oil yeah <laughs> you drink oil but only between the hours of three and seven p.m <laughs> and ultimately like as you said the best diet is one that you adhere to so it really got Strip it back a bit further. Like, what do I actually like to eat? Would I rather have lower carbohydrates? Would I lower, or would I rather have lower fat? Like for me, I would much rather have a lower carbohydrate, lower carbohydrate diet because I love fatty foods and I like oil and all these other things and and and, and red meat. So if it came to a choice of dietary adherence, because we know that we have to be sticking for something for a prolonged period of time to lose fat because it takes time. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a moment in terms of like energy. But it's like, well, how do I stick to this diet for as long as possible? If you're like, Tim, you're not allowed to, I don't know, have a bagel or have a steak or you're not allowed to eat a specific food group that I preferred more of, I'd find it much harder to stick to that diet. So is it right? You can't have any olives or any meat at all. I'd be like, oh man, I'd do it for like three days. And I'd be like, right, I'm got Nando's. Because I, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stick to the proposed methods that's been placed upon me. And when it comes to dieting or trying to lose fat, we have to think like, how can I make this as easy as possible for me to stick to this for as long as I need to, to get to the body composition or to the fat loss that I would be happy with and then be able to stop and then reevaluate what you're going to do and how you're going to get to the next stage. And I think we always try to look too far ahead, but we need to be looking at it in a short-term way as well. Like, I want to lose 10 kilos. Let's start with a kilo and how are we best going to get you to do that one kilo? Let's do this. And then over time, refine and move and change. 
I've kind of merged two topics there. <laughs> so it's really interesting that you kind of outlined the type of diet that would help you be the most adherent. You said like a, a higher fat, probably lower carb diet. Yeah. Where you're eating some, you know, some red meat. Meat like and two veg. Meat and two veg. Whereas like for me, it would probably be the opposite. So I really enjoy a higher carbohydrate diet. So I really enjoy rice, pasta, potatoes. Like I love sweets and cake and all these things that are typically higher in carbohydrates or higher in sugars. So if we were both assigned the same diet, like if we were both put on a high fat, low carb diet, Tim would probably excel. Whereas I would probably really struggle because Tim is having to cut out less things that he enjoys whereas i would be cutting out lots of things that i enjoy so for tim he would probably enjoy a large proportion of that diet because he's eating things he enjoys whereas for me i would be cutting out a lot of the things that i enjoy so i would find it much more challenging to stick to it consistently because every day i would be having this like internal battle of oh i have to eat these things and i can't eat those things oh, I can't eat that, or I want to eat this, I can't eat that, which is going to make it much more challenging for me to stick to it for, the, for a long period of time, which is essentially what we need to do if we want to get to our goals and we want to lose weight, lose fat consistently over time, you've got to stick to it. But just imagine like if you didn't have the knowledge that you have, right? So you come to me, you want to lose fat, I've got success with a diet that I like. I'll just eat chicken and vegetables buzzing or steak, and I can be happy with that legitimately. I come to you and say, look, mate, you're overweight. Low-carb diet works for me, best thing ever. You're then like, oh, right, okay, well, you know what you're talking about because you're, you know, you're qualified and you're in good shape and I need to lose fat, so I'm going to listen to what you're going to say. You're then almost going to be failed by the system because you'll be like, oh, my God, I'm finding this so so hard because i can't have my porridge i can't have the oats kind of a rubbishy bagel thins and i'm all the <laughs> things that i actually enjoy so you're not going to stick to that diet and you're probably setting yourself up for failure and then i'm like come on you just don't want it hard enough but really i've completely misunderstood the client because actually i've used my bias and my preferences to push it onto somebody else and, and ultimately the art of coaching is to go here's what the principle is what works best for you and it's part of the reason why we don't do meal plans. People are like, oh, do you meal plans? No, we don't do meal plans. Because if I give you my meal plan, you're going to be like, I don't want to do that. I say, tough. But I don't like tuna. Tough. Eat it. <laughs> then, you're, then you're going to be like, well, I'm not going to stick to the meal plan. I'm like, fine, good. Then you're like, fine, good. And then you go away thinking that I'm not very nice. And you don't stick to any of the things that I've given you because you don't like me and you don't like my diet. Then you end up just not doing anything which you're supposed to do that aligns with what your goals are. So then none of us win. And I think that's something that I've, to, to be honest, I've personally done a long time ago, a very long time ago, when I used to be kind of not as knowledgeable as I was as a personal trainer, and I used to try to force my bias and my diets onto people. Now, let's just talk about like the principle. The principle is, you know, about calories. Like, can you just explain, I mean, we won't spend too much time on this because there's so much stuff there on the internet. What is a calorie deficit? Like, what actually is that and how can we best create that thing so kind of simply put like a calorie deficit is essentially where we are in a place where we have less energy coming 
in than we have going out. So essentially, calorie deficit, all that means is that the energy that is coming in through the amount of calories you are eating on a daily basis is lower than energy out. The amount of calories you are burning on a daily basis through generally being alive and your day-to-day actions, but then also how active you are through the type of training you're doing, perhaps in the gym or out of the gym, and just generally how active you are. So like walking and how many steps you do, whether you track steps or not, doesn't matter, but kind of how much time you're spending on your feet. Those things are going to contribute to how much calories you're burning across a day and even across a week. So if we're trying to create that calorie deficit, we've got less energy coming in than we have going out, which means we are in a deficit of energy. We don't have enough energy, which means we're going to lose fat because our body is then going to utilize those fat stores that we have as energy because fat is is essentially an energy source. Like we eat fat as well. So our body is going to use that as energy. And when we use that, we then have less of it because we're not replacing it through eating more calories. And like the opposite of that is, you know, people who are overweight, significantly overweight, it's because they overconsume the calories that they have. So you have a, an increased subcutaneous fat layer, which is the fat that you can see. And if there is energy in abundance, you will essentially be overweight if you're not burning it off. Now, that's a very kind of mechanistic perspective because there's so much to consider about the reasons why people are overweight, especially severely overweight. It's also important to note that there's always this kind of age-old argument of like, oh, calories matter, or calories don't matter, or food quantity matters, food quality matters. And I think the industry as a whole is quite dogmatic in, in its approach. It's like, it's either this or it's this. You can't see, but I'm doing hand gestures. So it's like, it's either purely calories or it's purely food quantity, uh, food quality, sorry. And it's like, well, it's actually both. Like calories are essentially a made up thing. Like they're a made up thing. I was going to say like gravity then, but uh, gravity is kind of proven. But (laughs) calories are, well, gravity actually isn't proven. It's pretty close to being proven, but not 100%. Anyway, so a calorie is just a unit of heat expenditure based on a cubic centimeter of water being heated up by one degree. That's basically what it is. And it's tested in a barometer. Guess what, human? You're not a barometer, but you are an object that burns energy. And the best way to accurately measure how many calories somebody is burning is measuring the temperature of their body in a chamber. Most of you don't walk around in the chamber. So it is a complete guess, which is why the other side of the argument is, oh, calories don't matter because they're not accurate. You're right, they're not accurate. But actually, it doesn't matter. It's like, over time, what we want to look at Similar to when you like driving your car, you again eventually you figure out what 30 miles per hour looks like. You can just guess accurately. It might not be accurate, it might be 31, might be 29, ugly, but but you won't get caught speeding. So when it comes to calories, it is an estimate based on a metric that isn't necessarily aligned to a human, but it's what we use to estimate how many calories that we're consuming. And if we follow this principle and refine it by monitoring how we how much weight we're getting or losing or if we can monitoring how much fat we're getting or losing checking our pants do they fit properly or are they getting looser then that is what we do to measure how many calories or measure how much we should be consuming and you said this before right 
step counting, things that are really, really great for increasing your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's going to widen the gap between the calories, which we'll talk about in a moment. But you don't need a step counter. You don't need to count your steps. The biggest bombshell of this whole podcast is before my fitness pal, people still lost weight. Like you don't need to track your food. You don't need to be counting all your calories. You don't need to be tracking exactly how many steps you've done. We just, you know, in a really reductionist form, we just need to be eating some more vegetables, doing more things because so much, so often, so many of us are sat behind desks all day. We're eating convenience foods that are low nutritional value, high in calories because they're there for convenience and we aren't doing enough and we're eating mindlessly and we're distracted and all these different factors that are contributing to an excess in calorie consumption. That's not even to mention the psychological factors where people are unhappy or they're suffering from some kind of trauma which leads to all different kinds of eating-based poor behavior, poor eating behaviors and obesity and that's obviously an incredibly complex topic so we're not going to cover it. But yeah, calories are also be the most important thing but calories are made up but they give you a little bit of a give you a little bit of information that you can refine over time to then accurately look at what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And like it's something that I say to people all the time. Like calories count whether you count them or not. Like they are a thing. They're not the only thing. They're not the most important thing, but they are a, an important factor when we're trying to lose weight. But it's it's not necessarily about the numbers it's about what happens when someone strives to change what and how much they're eating in accordance with those numbers so let's say for example someone decides they want to lose fat and we look at how many calories they perhaps should be consuming to try and lose weight then let's say that number is they need to eat 1800 calories a day to achieve a calorie deficit and lose an amount of weight that they want to lose. It doesn't matter whether that person is eating exactly 1800 calories or not. What matters is that they are consistent with striving to eat that amount of calories and they are consistent with broadly what they are eating on a daily basis and how active they are on a daily basis. And we can then make an educated, informed decision about whether that is an amount of food and an amount of activity that is going to help them lose weight or not. But we don't know that until they have been consistent with it and they have adhered to the things that we have set out that they need to do to work towards that goal. What I find really interesting is that when we get people to count calories, and no, I'm not saying that everybody should count calories, but I also am saying that everybody should count calories. Everybody I truly believe that people should have an idea of how many calories is in food because people have no freaking clue and it's crazy. It's important that at least, I don't count my calories whatsoever, ever, so don't need to. But counting calories gives you an idea of how much you're consuming and fundamentally people are eating way too much. They're consuming way too many calories. We have really busy lifestyles where we're just grabbing and getting food whenever you want. Is it? Do you know how many calories a king pot noodle has? I, I have never eaten a pot noodle. You have not lived. They are fantastic. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I could guess if I sat down and did some math. But I, off the top of my head, I wouldn't even have really? a clue of how much, how much they weigh, how many calories it has. I wouldn't even know. Well, they're really delicious. 
most importantly. Well, I had one last night because I got in late for work and I didn't want, I didn't, didn't want to make dinner. So I'm going to have a king pot noodle that I bought uh, a couple of days ago, buzzing. 551 calories. Woo! It's a lot, right? And it just literally is some noodles. And that's not even to mention the half pack of Salfax kids that I had as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they don't count. They don't count. did count them, so they don't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, wow, that's 551 calories plus some Salfax kids. I've probably had, a, and I had a drink, couple and a half. Can't remember. Some kind of Fanta or something. Sugar free. And so that's like 600, 700 calories that I had at night time. And that's like literally not much food. I was still really hungry. And I was like, wow, it's so easy to overconsume calories. Like it's crazy. And it's like, no wonder people are so overweight. And this is just from one particular standpoint that there's so many calories in food. And the amount of people that will get to kind of track calories for a short period of time. And they're like, wow, wow, 1,800 calories really isn't very much. And you're like, yeah, no, you've been overconsuming for like 10 years because your whole environment is set up for you to consume and buy as much possible, much food as possible. And again, not to get all conspiracy yes, but like companies and businesses, they don't care about how many calories things are. Five Guys doesn't go, oh, we better have a little calorie version. It's like, no, buy our product. So we're going to make it tasty. So you want to come back. You're like, sick. And you got Five Guys, 2,000 calories for a large fries, Five Guys and a burger. 2,000 calories. That's more than what most people should consume in a day. Also considering most people don't do anything. 80% of people work in office jobs. So they sat behind a desk doing literally nothing, just like just being alive, just surviving, existing, existing, doing no exercise, then over-consuming calories because it's so freaking easy to do so because everything's so high in calories because companies want their food to taste nice. How do you make food taste nice? Add sugar, add fats, add oils, add butter. Think about this. You can get some boiled potatoes, eat some boiled potatoes. Oh, that'll be really hard to eat. But put some butter and some cheese in that, making some fat into the carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. You've got a buttery, cheesy potato goodness. Amazing. Chips. What are chips? The potatoes. Deep fried, covered in fat. Tasty. Put some salt on them. Banging. So it's really companies and chefs and, and everyone take away foods. They, they put lots of oils in and lots of food to make it taste so you buy more of it. They don't care about the calories. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a takeaway or shouldn't eat any of these things. I love a fire, guys. But it's important to just be mindful that, okay, well, I'm not doing any exercise. I'm probably over-consuming. I don't like how I look and feel about myself. I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm not very, well, not very well conditioned. Is there better choices that I could make? And again, I'm strictly speaking from like a mechanistic perspective, not to do with any psychology because there's lots of different nuances and paths that we could talk about when it comes to how somebody feels about themselves. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about it specifically on you can make changes to do things better and live a better life, but it's really, really hard because your environment is against you, essentially, which sounds really dramatic, but your environment is is against you. Ah, welcome to my TED Talk. So the adherence is the most important thing that we've, that we've spoken about, and now we're going to touch on the environment and why adherence is the most important thing. Jack, talk to us about adherence. Talk to us about some of the factors that influence adherence and what an environment has to do with influencing that. Yeah, so it comes back to what we were talking about earlier when we obviously said, like, it doesn't matter 
what diet you do, it matters that you can stick to it consistently. And if you can stick to it consistently over time, you're going to get results. And then we have to go like another layer deeper and we have to go, right, okay, adherence is really important. I've got to stick to it. Great. But we also then have to have the awareness of what are the things that influence your ability to adhere to a diet? Because it's not just willpower. People will place a massive degree of emphasis on willpower, motivation, determination. And we see this when, when we run our fat loss accelerators or we, we check in with some of our members on their like nutrition and training. A lot of the time, people will put things, especially in their earlier check-ins on the fat loss accelerators, we will see things like, I need to just be more determined. I need to have more willpower. I need to just be, I need to just put my blinkers on and head down and go. And it's like, well, how's that working for you? Because if that is the things that you need to do, then why haven't you got results in the past? Because that's what you said last time you did it. So what's changed? Well, nothing. So we then have to go a little bit deeper and go, okay, what are the things that influence your ability to be adherent, be consistent? And one of the big things is environment. The diff- and environment is, is everything. It's everywhere. It's online, offline, friendship groups, different rooms within your own house, other people's houses, like everywhere you go and everything you interact with can be classed as an environment. So we look at, cool, right, let's just start with the obvious one, like your house. Well, in your house, who's in that house? Well, you've got your partner. Are they trying to lose weight as well or are they not? Are they asking you to go out for meals? Are they offering you a glass of wine when you said that you weren't drinking? All these different things influence your decisions because if you're not seeing and hearing different things such as people offering you drinks offering you foods then you're not going to be thinking about them as much but then we have to also look at okay well if you're out for dinner what where have you gone for dinner who were you out for dinner with are they offering you bread are they asking you if you want wine like all these things are going to influence your ability to take action on the things that you want to take action on yeah, you know, willpower, willpower is finite. Like you've only got so much willpower. And one of the biggest things that we talk about when it try, when we're trying to get somebody to, to lose fat or adhere to a diet. And the reason why we talk about consistently dieting, by the way, we've said consistently a lot. You might be sitting there saying, hey, Tim and Jack, you don't have to be consistent for a diet. Why don't you just do a crash diet? They work, by the way. But it's super important that you actually learn the process of how you've got to do that thing in the first place which is why we talk about consistency like if you just do a crash diet with shakes or whatever it might be you lose weight loads really quickly then as soon as you stop doing that thing you haven't learned any of the habits or behaviors that you're just going to go back exactly to where you were because your habits and behaviors are what's made you who you are if you want to look into the future look at what you're doing right now so that's what we mean by consistency and why it's important because the education element is essential and when we talk about environment i can categorically state that jack and me have not had cake today because there is no cake in the gym that is true yeah and so if that environment had cake in it i would i would you would definitely eat it i can um probably would but jack would i mean we i put so talk about being supportive right this is so true and why it's 
so important that you have the support of people around you to help you. I'm, I'm saying this, this actually sounds pretty bad. Jack has got a snack problem, yeah? And I, I opened a pack of chocolate buttons in front of him and he's like, no, no. So I put it in front of him. Then he was like, ah, then he ate it, right? Because I'm testing his willpower and he's only a human being and he can't, it makes it really, really hard. And that's quite bad of me to do so. And it's, but I knew if I knew he was being serious and he was like, please don't do that. I would be like, I respect that and I understand. But we work with people who their partners will try and sabotage them because they're trying to better themselves. Or they go out for a meal and they're like, I'm not drinking. And their friend's like, what? But you've got to drink. What's the point? And it's like, is your support network and your environment going to allow you to help you adhere to get to you to where you want to be? And it's so, so important. Like, you've seen the episode, I'm not, not the episode, but thing on Father Ted with Mrs. Doyle. It's got, you might be too young. Well, I have I have seen it, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. So basically, she always comes in and is like, uh, Ah, Father, do you want a cup of tea? And he's like, no, no, thank you, Mrs. Doyle. He's like, ah, go on, have a cup of tea. He's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on, Father. I insist. And he's like, right, I'll have a cup of tea. That's literally a great use of, like, imagery for how you are when you're trying to stick to a diet. Like, you go past Subways, you go past Mikey D's, and you're passing, oh my god, I'm really hungry, I'm really hungry. And you go past all these things, you go in, uh, you go home, and there's donuts on the, on, on, the, on the kitchen table, you're like, oh, donuts. And of course you're going to break your diet. You, of course you're not going to be able to adhere to what you're trying to stick to, because you're only a human. Like, So you want to try and make this as easy as possible, like, Nothing changes if nothing changes, and you may have to change your environment by looking at the triggers that you may have to help you get the most out of it. And that might just be like a conversation with like your partner about, look, I'm really trying to do this thing. I'm really trying to lose fat because I don't like how I look and feel. I really need your support to not open milk chocolate buttons in front of me and then leave them in front of me because that's just going to, I find it really hard. And if you can make it as easy as possible and modify your environment, it's going to significantly increase your probability and chances for success. Yeah, and one of the the examples that I always give people when we're we're talking about changing our environments to help better support our goals is the cookie jar. Now, like, and the reason we use the example is like if you had a cookie jar on your kitchen side, every time you go into the kitchen or you walk past it, you're looking at the cookie jar. You know you know that there are cookies inside there. And if you hadn't seen the cookie jar, if the cookie jar wasn't there, you are going to be so much less likely to think about cookies. I love cookies. I love, I love thinking about cookies right now. I'm about cookies right now as well. Mm-hmm. But if the cookie jar is there and you see it, you're now going to think about it. And if you're thinking about it, you're going to be more likely to eat that thing. And this could be applied to to anything. Like if you're seeing things, you're going to think about them. And if you're thinking about them, you're going to be more likely to eat them. Whereas if you hadn't seen it, you might not think about it. So you're not going to eat it. So looking at that as an example, you can go, right, okay, well, what is an obvious change that I can make to influence my behaviors? Well, if you put the cookie jar in a cupboard especially a cupboard that you don't often go in, you're going to see it much less frequently. Thus, you're going to think about it much less frequently. Thus, you're probably going to eat cookies much less often. 
You got you got to pronounce cookie jar properly. Cookie jar. No, you got to say put down the cookie jar. <laughs> you would not hide it in the cupboard. But yeah, the, this principle is such a it's such a simple little hack, really. Like, so if I <laughs> like this, Erin's probably gonna listen to this. If I don't want Erin to eat something in the fridge, right? I put it at the back. I put it at the back of the fridge. Cause you just look. So as a Erin's like the most organized person in the world ever. But when it comes to like the fridge, she's terrible. So like leave something in. Anyway, it's just really bad. And she keeps opening loads of bottles of ketchup. Honestly, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the worst thing that she does. So like, why is there three bottles of ketchup open? Anyway, but if I don't want her to eat something, just put it at the back, put it at the back of the fridge because she just won't think about looking for something. So I'm like sick. I've got like some nice like honey Greek yogurt. I'll just put it at the back of the fridge. She won't even touch it. Not after this, because Erin now knows where it is. She's going to eat it. Now I'm going to eat it as soon as I'm home. Yeah, so like putting things like out of sight, out of mind, like it really does help. So if you're the first step that you can do to improve your environment is to not do and go places where you want to eat stuff and hide the things that you immediately want to see. Now, I, I recognize that with kids and that, it's loads harder because they have like biscuits and cool snacks. But how can we make that harder to attain and harder for you to get to like make it as difficult as possible just like we want to make your diet as easy to adhere as possible we want to make certain elements of your diet as hard as possible and if we widen that gap and all these little things that we do we're going to significantly increase the probability of our chance for success what is success well success is adhering to a diet for a specific amount of time to allow you to look and feel better about yourself in a step-by-step process. One will, happen, one will happen at once. It will sometimes take a long time. Was it like takes you like double as long to lose the fat that you that it took to put on? I don't know if I just made that up. Nope, Jack said that I made it up. Ignore that. That is fake news. But we, we've been 35 minutes in. We're going to have to nudge this down quite quickly. We've got so many notes that we could talk about. We're going to have to make this into a two-parter, aren't we? There's so much to talk about. So when it comes to adherence, adherence is, is the most important thing. We've talked, we've spoken about the environment in quite a lot of detail. Talked about food consistency, what a calorie deficit deficit is, what energy is, how all diets are pretty much the same, and really comes down to your preference, not to the bias of the person trying to, more than likely, sell you a specific diet. Like, oh, fighter diet works really well. Buy my fighter diet. Shut up. What other factors, Jack, impact adherence? So I'm going to round these two off nice and quick so I don't want to keep you guys all day because we want you to listen to all of this and take all of this information in because there's so much really impactful stuff in this short podcast. But the last kind of two things I want to touch on here, the first one, a factor that influences adherence is your experience. So... I always like to say that dieting and dieting in the context of changing what you're eating to have an outcome, whether that be losing fat, building muscle, whatever it is, experience is really important because if you haven't dieted in a specific way before, if you haven't been successful in consistently adhering to a certain type of eating, then it's unlikely that you're going to be 100% successful straight away and that's okay because you wouldn't expect to do something perfectly in another context like if you haven't driven a car before you wouldn't expect to 
pass your driving test on the first day in your first driving lesson. If you've never played a certain sport before, you wouldn't expect to be the best person on the team in your very first game or your match or whatever it is. So if you haven't tracked your calories before, if you haven't like dieted as such, for lack of a better term, properly before, then why would you expect to get it perfectly straight away? Well, you wouldn't. So, and that's okay. So you can be believing that you are doing everything perfectly, but you can be what we would call unknowingly unadherent. You don't know what you don't know. So you might not realize that food labels can be off by 20% legally. You might not know that certain things on my fitness pal have been inputted wrong. One of my favorite things is the lovely Rhea, when we did a fat loss accelerator, was tracking tea that had like 15 grams of protein per cup because she didn't realize that the soy milk she was tracking was inputted into MyFitnessPal wrong because people are idiots and they don't realize that these things don't... Rhea's not an idiot. But <laughs> people that put things on MyFitnessPal are idiots because they don't know what the right things are to put in. So yeah, you can be, be honestly, hand on heart, believing you're doing everything perfectly and you could be getting things wrong. And that's okay. Because once you realize what these things are, then you're only going to get better. It's almost like the, the, the oil and the gusto thing, isn't it? I yeah, feel like having, 100%. People having gusto, and it's great, it's lovely, blah, blah, blah. And then what the calories and gusto don't account for is the oil, right? So it's like, oh, I'm putting like 75 mils of oil. That's next to 240 calories or whatever it is. It's like, oh, that's doing that. You do that every day. That's 1,000 calories extra a week. Oh, that's why I'm not losing fat, but I'm doing everything right. And it wasn't until you had that brought to your attention that you realized, oh, this might be inhibiting my fat loss. I get it. And it is literally just a case of trying, seeing what works and refining and learning It's a process. And you're totally right. People, like, I've been going to the gym and dieting for a week. Why don't I look like Kyle? It's like, it doesn't happen. You're going to get things wrong. Like, it's taken me years to understand and actually understand and be able to refine and to know exactly what I need to do to help me to lose fat. I just do three specific things that when you say, sound really, really easy. Oh, that sounds great for you. But I do these three things and it's super, that's just what I need to do. Because it works for me. But it's taken me 20 years to figure out what those three things actually are. Find out on the next episode of Tim's Three Things. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then to kind of round round off this podcast with something that a lot of people won't consider when they're, you know, looking at losing fat or dieting or whatever it might be. And that is your why. Like, why do you want to achieve the outcome you want to achieve? Now, a lot of people won't actually have ever thought of that. They'll just be like, oh, I don't really like the way I look or I don't feel great or I want to like you know feel better when I go to the beach this summer and that's that that's where it will stop like that'll be their why and a lot of the time that's not enough like that isn't a strong enough reason for you to do the things that are required of you consistently for a prolonged period to get to that outcome and the a lot of times like people will just say like, oh, like I just want to feel better. It's like, well, why do you want to feel better? And one of the tasks that we get everyone to do in the first week of our fat loss accelerator is a task with the five whys. And you have to 
write down your goal. Let's say you want to lose five kilos. Cool, right. Why do you want to lose five kilos? Oh, well, because I want to, you know, feel better in my clothes. Cool. Why do you want to feel better in your clothes? Oh, because I'm not very confident and I want to be more confident. Cool. Why do you want to be more confident? Oh, because I've always not liked the way I looked and I want to set a good example for my child so that they feel empowered and strong. Cool. Why do you want to set an example for your child? Oh, because I had a really bad relationship with my body because my mum once called me fat and da 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 da. And you can kind of just keep going, going, going. And then you actually really start to get to these deep and meaningful reasons why you want to change this certain thing about yourself. And it can be so far away from what you originally thought. But the deeper you go, the the more impactful your why becomes and the more it's going to help you stick to that plan. It's going to help you adhere to your diet and be consistent because when you're thinking about straying from your diet, you're faced with an environment where something is trying to influence you away from your goal. You can then take a step back and go, why is this thing important to me? Well, it's really important to me because of this reason. And I want to set that example for my child and I want them to grow up being strong and confident and feeling empowered and being an absolute boss. Because, yeah, I love that. And, and really, it actually, even though this whole podcast is about fat loss, it isn't about fat loss. No one cares about fat loss, right? And I'm, I'm going to leave you with a little true story. We had a lady who joined us who literally, word for word, uh, said what their why was. And it was, I want to go on holiday with my kids and I don't want to look horrible in a bikini because, you know, my husband's in good shape and I just want to, you know, look not like a potato. I was like, yeah, cool, fair enough, like superficial, but I'll, I'll go with it. Six months later, this person trained consistently, lost significant amounts of body fat, was strong, was great. And it was like, great, you're going on holiday. How excited are you? Are you, you know, are you like excited about being in a bikini? And she went, I don't give a crap what I look like in a bikini because I feel great. I love my body. I'm strong and I can carry both my kids and kick ass. And it was like, yes, that is exactly what the goal is. It's not about fat loss. It's not about losing weight. It's how can I fall back in love with my body? And if you don't love your body, do everything you can to nurture it, to love it, because your body is the longest relationship that you'll ever be in and you only get one. Like, it pains me to see people neglecting their body. Like, it, it hurts my feelings and people just don't care about what they put in their body, how they treat their body, because, and I say this all the time, like, there's a big difference between lifespan and, and health span, like, having a long life. Like, I don't want to live to 90 and have 30 years of my life as a vegetable. That's not a life to me. For me, that's not a line. I want to be, like, doing stuff. I want my health to be as long as possible. I want to have a nice healthy health span life i want to be doing marathons when i'm 70 i want to be running around with my grandkids and doing cool stuff that's what i want so yeah it's not even about fat loss it's about loving your body and how can you make that happen and fat loss is a mechanism it's a vehicle to allow you to go through the process to fall back in love with your body and to treat it well and make it strong and it will love you like you love it good night